business is not easy. Startup business is not easy. And if you don't have something that's fundamentally driving you, that's like triggering the heartstrings, it's going to be hard to get through the tough days. You need that to get through the tough days. You need to be really passionate about it. There needs to be something bigger than you and of the highest good to keep you going. Hey guys, Dan Brophy here. Welcome to Quit Your Day Job, a podcast for frustrated creatives. Well, each week I'm talking to different creatives all about the tools and tricks associated with turning what they love into what they do. And this week I'm speaking to one of my creative collaborators, Shira O'Sullivan-Linker, who is the founder of Gensac, a store in the Sydney CBD that specializes in curating men's grooming products from around the world. Most importantly, it encourages its community of men to engage in a conversation around cultivating their inner life as well as grooming their outer selves. And Shira and I have a lot of shared passions around encouraging dialogue about cultivating the inner life. And that's why it was such an interesting symbiosis when we started working together about a year ago. But Gensac is coming up on its second birthday on the 20th of November. There's an event taking place in the Gensac store, which I'll be hosting. See you there. And I wanted to chat to Shira about that journey that she's been on over the last four years. The business has been around for four, the store has been around for two, and in that time, it's been a process, like all startup journeys, of ups and downs, and I wanted to find out about the processes that Shira has used to navigate that experience, and what came up in the conversation, which I found particularly useful, is Shira's awareness of the why, of why she does what she does, and the way in which she has aligned with her passion on a very fundamental and essential level, noticing that that translates to the experience that she wants to give everyone that comes into the store and everyone that engages with the brand on social media and via EDM mailout and via the blogs that live on the website. That experience that lives beyond just buying of product that is about taking care of yourself and leveling up and doing things that might be a hurdle today but then by tomorrow become the benchmark that was the the thing that interested me the most and made me think that for any anyone looking to go on a journey into launching a career or a, a startup you have to connect with passion and what it is that makes you want to do the thing in the first place in order to get you through difficult times because like anything that's worth doing, it's not necessarily easy, but the only thing that will really get you over the line is your belief and your love and your passion for that thing in the first place. And that is universally relatable, no matter what type of work that it is that you're doing. Finding a way to make business personal is a great way to tap who you are into what you do. And I think that is the essence, not only of the conversation I had with Shiro today, but also of the blog that supports this conversation that will be hosted on the Gensac website, which I'll link to in the show notes of this podcast as well, because I got a chance to, through that, talk about five ways in which you can identify your special source. 
Well, before we get down to the chat with Shira, if you haven't checked it out already, check out my IGTV at Dan Brophy on Instagram, where I have a creative wellness vlog. So every couple of days, I'll answer a different question from a creative or someone who's looking to use creative tools to get ahead in what it is that they're doing. And I answer a question all around a block or something that they're working at for the purpose of leveling up within their career or within their creative practice. So you can submit a question via DM or you can respond in the comments on any of the videos that are posted. And I'll be sure to answer every single one. Well, please enjoy my chat with Shira O'Sullivan Linker, the founder of men's grooming company, Gensack. Shira, thank you so much for having a chat. Oh, thank you for having me. So, so I love to start by asking people, mm. when someone says, hey, what do you do? Mm. What do you tell them? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, I tell them that I have my own business and that I have a men's grooming uh, store in the galleries, a flagship store and an online business and a subscription service. And then I also tell them that I'm a singer-songwriter. So, because I am a creative and I and I sing and I write, I just don't give it as much time as I'd like lately, but it is part of who I am. And for, we have, you know, we have guests listening from all around the world, mm. like the UK and Brazil. What is the galleries for people who don't know? The galleries is an iconic shopping precinct in Sydney CBD. It's, so, a, it's a very glamorous, it's a very, it's lots, like lots of designer stores, it's in the heart of the city. Yeah. It's a cool, it's a cool shopping center. It's a really cool shopping center. We're next to some amazing uh, businesses and brands and uh, we've had quite a journey there because we were discovered by, you're probably going to get into this later, but we were discovered by the center manager at a market stall and then we had a pop-up and we've grown into bricks and mortar, so... Yeah, so we've we've had quite a journey with the location that we're at, which is really exciting for us as well. And so, and what does your store specialises in? Men's grooming products. Yeah. So, if someone was to walk in, what would they procure? So, you know, of late, a lot of people have said we're kind of like the men's mecca, which is a really amazing compliment. We didn't set out to be the men's mecca, but we essentially curate bespoke. Uh, products for men, essential products, anything from skincare, hair care, shave, fragrance, brands that are hard to find. Um, we support a lot of startup brands, a lot of Australian brands. We help brands launch into market. We look for brands that have that lifestyle aspect, so beautiful packaging, as you know, but also tick the boxes in terms of formula and ingredients and, you know, the um, eco footprint and all that kind of stuff. So we, we factor all of that in. Um, and ultimately it's beautifully curated and then you can choose what you like. I think, well, we work together yeah. as well as the fact that you, I'm, you're a creative who I know, and I would probably have gravitated towards wanting to ask you about the, the, the work that you do on the podcast. Anyway, mm. we are lucky enough to well, I'm lucky enough to be able to work with you on Gensack. Yeah. My team and my creative agency makes all of your content. And, and the thing that I like most about working with Gensack and with you mm. is it's there's a, a product layer, which is exquisitely sourced, beautiful, high-end men's grooming products, which satisfies a part of my life and taste. And I, I love the fashion element of it. But the heart and soul of it is this idea which you call habits of excellence which is about anchoring it to something a bit more 
internal self and a bit more about taking care of your mental well-being and about yeah. your um, spiritual side. And, yeah. and it's I love that, you know, I think that is the biggest point of difference from walking into the store. It's it's not just a skincare routine. It's a life transforming ritual that yeah. you discuss. But I might be getting ahead of myself. No, I love that you said all of that. Thank you. Well, you totally get it. That's why you work with me. Yeah, I mean, I, I, love, I mean, the, the the joy of what I do is that I get to work with. I, I always set out to make lifestyle and wellness based content for the brands that I work with. But mm. I love it when it's, you know, yes, there's a product being sold, but you're also selling a message and it, oh. and, and a mission and a yeah. life transforming lifestyle inspiration. Yeah, which is how the world works really i mean it's that melding of, of of art and commerce which is actually what is turning me on so much in the way that i'm looking at how to create at the moment yeah um when you first started out mm. you weren't from uh you weren't your specialty wasn't necessarily men's grooming when mm. when you were just a market stall yeah um where how did it all come about yeah okay cool so the concept came about because at the time, my partner at the time, I was always curating really cool grooming kits for his gifts. So my ex and I were together 10 years. And by the time I came up with this concept, we'd been together like six years. So gifts became a curated kit of undies, socks, cool body wash, moisturizer, deodorant. And we ended up having a conversation where he was like, I really love it when you get me this stuff. And I always feel better when I look after myself, but I don't know where to go buy these products and I don't want to shop at Woolies and Priceline anymore. And so that was really where the conversation started. And at that point it was like, oh, guys need this. And when we did our research, I straight away had a vision that that lifestyle aspect was there for me from the get go. And so when I realized the brands existed, I was like, there's a market for this, but there's no one in Australia doing it. So for me, I always foresaw beautiful, high-end luxury product curated in one place for men to go and shop. And then with that naturally came the education aspect of it and the empowerment aspect of it. Because what I realized was so many guys want to look after themselves better, but they either think that it's not the norm or they don't know where to start or they don't know what to do. Some guys haven't even been taught how to shave properly. So taking the concept to market was a really, quite literally to the markets, was such a great exercise because we got to have those conversations and realize, oh, we have, we can really make an impact for the men in this world, not just by giving them this beautiful product, but by giving them permission to look after themselves and then educate them on how to use product, you know? Well, I'm interested in the idea that a lot of people have really great ideas for businesses and, and ways to sort of to turn their passions and turn them into a, a career. And I feel like there's so many times where something someone will say, oh, I thought of that, but I never acted on it. What was the tipping point that made you act on it? Mm. Were you at a point in your life where the career that you were pursuing had come to a standstill or did you decide that that you were looking for a way to be to work for yourself or what was the the beginning of it it's a really good question because i feel like my beginning i mean it's probably different for everyone but i don't feel mine was a typical like point 
other than I was at a crossroads. Like I say, I also am a singer-songwriter. I had some really cool opportunities that came up in music. I've always wanted to pursue music. And then at the same time, I came up with this concept and it was like, which one do I go for? And I've always been very split, like like very creative, but very strategic. You tend to be one or the other. So my biggest mission in kind of learning my process and how to get the most out of myself is figuring out how to leverage both of those talents. And it felt for me like I was going to be, I, I listened to an intuition that I was going to be more successful pursuing the business side of things and then having the freedom and flexibility to be more creative, to grow and evolve through business opportunity. And I also felt this concept had legs. I really believed in it. There was a gap for it. And so that's kind of where I was at. Um, and I, I felt really passionate about it. I was really drawn to it. I also had a lot of experience in retail so even though initially we set out to be a digital platform, we knew retail was going to be on the trajectory. Because I took the concept to the markets and it's such an interactive experience, we gravitated towards a retail business so much faster because of my experience being in retail. It's, I mean, it's such an interesting concept, the idea of having a passion. I've heard you sing, and you're a really good singer. You're <laughs> very you. gifted in that way. Thank you, love. And it's very interesting, the idea that so many people who listen to this podcast have passions and things that they would love to do, and they mm. have business ideas, and they have day jobs, and they have... So trying to navigate those paths are the reason why this podcast exists. It's the reason why it's all I really want to talk to people about. Mm. I found myself out last Saturday night counseling some chick on a dance floor about her, <laughs> some stranger on the dance floor about her um, passion for, you know, the, the career path that she had yet to pursue. Yeah. But um, I am so intrigued by that because it, I similarly went, okay, well, I know that I want to be a filmmaker and I know that I want to create work for my whole life mm. but then the idea of empowering myself to start a business that allowed me to leverage the things that I love to do into a money-making space to give myself the freedom to then you know write scripts that I wanted to perform in and yeah. to make work that allowed me to flex my cinematography muscle and yeah. and I think that dance between you know the business and commerce mm. is I think one of the the more interesting journeys that so many people go on these days because technology has facilitated so much um, possibility mm. and then it's almost a case of working out how you use the infinite possibilities at your disposal to yeah. then create opportunity to be true to your passions because once upon a time your vocation was your life you know yeah. I, I I came up as a shoemaker, I will die a shoemaker. Yeah. Now it's a case of like, well, if I have a new idea for an online store tomorrow mm. or that's got legs, I just need to work on how to market that and get yeah. exposure to that. Yeah. Um, I like, I, I love the idea that it was your passion for that space and you dedicate your, your, the idea around connecting to the emotion of how someone will feel when they open a gift. Yeah. You know, the store is called Gent Sack. It's a. It's ultimately about the the experience of opening the sack and yeah. seeing what's inside. And I feel like that gifting experience and that yeah. that feeling that you get when you receive something special. I imagine was a feeling that you connected to when you were designing how yes. people experience the store. Absolutely, because I was the gifter. Quite naturally, the idea was born out of me gifting. Well. 
when everyone who comes into the store, everyone who receives the digital mail that we, we send out, everyone who engages with us on social, all connect to you and they really love the way you make them feel. Aww. What is it about the the experience? What is it about the Shearer sauce, as we <laughs> as we say? About, you know, we it started as a joke, but now it's almost become oh, yeah. the. <laughs> so we had this. And we the had Dan Jam. The Dan Jam. Jam. Okay, well, but in this particular experience, you know, Gen Sack fans they experience Dan Jam, but they don't know what they don't know that they're experiencing it. <laughs> but they they do know that they're experiencing the Shira sauce, which right. for those who don't know <laughs> is is a, a shorthand gag that I came up with because. Yeah. It, there was always basically like a, uh, an idea that we'd have and then Shira would add her personal touch to the experience mm. that would probably make it real and resonate and to do with the emotional exchange of the people that she knows mm. that you knew that you were they were going to be experiencing the concept so that it wasn't just a, a product it was something that was a bit more emotional and easy to uh, to engage with connect with uh, connect with yeah mm. Um, so what is it about the in-store experience that is unique to Gensac that, that makes guys want to continue to engage with the yeah. brand? Such a big and beautiful question. I think that ultimately the Shira source comes from wanting to create a really safe space for one and valuing connection and and so I think that because of my own personal history and upbringing and who I am today, I naturally gravitated towards cultivating this really safe space for men to come and explore and be educated and discover and to make it totally cool to talk about all the things that they feel a little bit uh, about, whether it's razor burn or I don't know how to moisturize or I don't even know what skin type I have. Like we allow them to have that conversation and create this beautiful sort of free space and then we empower them to want to go and do better and that's where habits of excellence came from so i care a lot about self-care and mental health and that's been a journey for me and as i grow the business grows with me and everything i learn i i feed into the business that's how I keep things as authentic as possible. And so I just show up as best I can as me. And then I get to share that experience and my values with my team. And then they get to continue that experience in store. So it's really about it from an in-store experience point of view, we're devoted to service. We're devoted to serving, to be of service. And so I feel that's where we can come from a really genuine place. That's not just about making money and because we already have epic product and we have an epic concept. So we don't need to work hard for that. Like we've done that. That's done. It's happening. But in terms of creating the experience, it's about that service. It's about connecting, creating conversations. I care about making sure that the guys feel safe and then not only safe, but like empowered and happy and excited and there's not enough of that i think in terms of all of us just letting our guards down and having conversations where we can be vulnerable and you know get to that point with each other and i really like to think that our store is such a heart-centered space for that and i think that's part of 
Sure sauce, GenSec experience, everyone gets to feel that. We have built a community because obviously I've built the business from the ground up. We've got customers that still drop in and are like, I remember you know, shopping with you at the Paddington markets and that's beautiful and it's lovely to see too that now my team in store are facilitating that same experience. So hope that answers your question. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I love the idea of if you are... I mean, it's, it's actually—it's a saying of mine that I always come back to: is when you're nervous, focus on service. Mm. Because if you're anxious about how to do something, and you connect to the idea of who is this for, what sort of change am I looking to affect mm. within this, it's actually very easy to get over yourself and to put your attention on the thing you're trying to affect, or the the change you want to see, or the person that you want to speak to, or communicate the idea with. Yeah. And I think I know when when I was. When I was, I think what made me a good director when I was working in a, in a performance space with actors was a similar kind of idea where the, the script and the casting would have taken care of itself, but all I was there to do was to create a safe space yeah. so that you and I, the performer and the director, can co-conspiratorially work out how to best midwife the work yeah. together. Yeah. And then we just focus on this space between us and where and it becomes a sacred space and we protect our space from the crew and the everything else that's going on in the yeah. setting of lights and that sort of thing. And and you feel really connected to the person you're working with in that way because it becomes about your shared experience together and then the yeah. energy that you're cultivating between you is the work. Yeah. And then it's not about like the actor thinking, oh God, I've done a terrible job. It's not about them personally, it's about the space between you. Yeah, absolutely. And so that applies for us, that applies from a team point of view, like working with each other. And it also applies from a connecting to our customers point of view. I always tell the team like, this is your life. Like every day, it's your day to be had. So make it the best that it can be for you. It's your experience. When you're mm. serving customers, that's not just their experience. It's yours. What do you want to get out of it? And we all feel good when we're serving, when we're of service, when it's not about us. I can also relate to that as a performer because I feel my best performances are when I get out of my head. And it's not about me, but it's about the audience and delivering for them. You know, whenever I've been nervous and thinking about me, I'm, I'm not really, that's not performing, that's not connecting. Um, and I happen to actually have a really musical team. Everyone in the team either sings or writes or plays an instrument. So I give them that example and I'm like, it's not about you. You know, it's like, we got to get over ourselves. This is about everyone else. This is about being of service. And um, so that's a key thing that, you know, that drives us. And so therefore internally as a team, that's our habit of excellence is being devoted to service. I love that you've, I mean, it, it, is it a question in the job interview? Like, do you, do you play any instruments? No. And <laughs> no, it's so funny. It's so funny. It's not a question in the interview. But it's very serendipitous it that is. you would have attracted that energy because mm. I think, you, you know, certain types of people carry certain energies and you gravitated towards each other in that space. Yeah. And our last team night out, we went to karaoke. <laughs> I'm really sorry. I couldn't be there. I know. I, I was devastated. I couldn't give you my turn back time. <laughs> my one and only karaoke song. Don't worry. I did my killing me softly and everyone was happy. <laughs> Killed him softly, loudly. Um, yeah. So when you were in that journey of going from a, a, a stall mm-hmm. at the markets, mm-hmm. you're at the Paddington markets, and then how long were you doing that before you got the pop-up at the galleries? Yeah. Okay. So timeline was this. Came up with the idea. 
and probably six months worth of ideating and having conversations really cemented the concept reached out to brands everyone was on board bar one we basically had a business overnight once the products were up on a very rookie by the way website to begin with we essentially had a business and it was like great we have a website we have no money how are we going to market this thing me having a retail background i was like take it to market um our first ever market was actually one we got invited to it was a curated movember market so it was right up our alley and we had such success with that particular night that i was like we should go and do the markets this is how people will discover us we might make some money but we'll at least get feedback on the concept and that just hit the ground running so we were doing paddington and bondi for the first three months we got discovered by the galleries as i said a little bit earlier and then within six months of launch we had a pop-up at the galleries we built essentially a store out of nothing like we created this free standing space that looked like a store and um 18 it wasn't a pop-up we were there 18 months it was yeah it was the beginning of the journey for us but 18 months later we grew into bricks and mortar so our business is about to turn in december we turn four and the store will turn two wow yeah because it's a, a lot of people have the idea but don't really know where to begin and it's so nice to be reminded that you don't need to put all your chips on the, this one idea having a low risk way to road test and to get feedback and to see who's paying attention who's yeah. turning up and then when you translate that to an online offering or a bricks and mortar offering, you've had the real life experience yeah. to then know where to invest your your marketing budget. Yeah, absolutely. And I do think, look, you 100% need to know that you've got proof of concept and need to have a strategic mind and know your numbers. But a key thing for me is I don't feel I was ever being driven by money. I was really sentimentally attached to what we would do, to the mission, to the underlying secret mission of supporting men um, to be able to open up and look after themselves better and have these conversations. And just watching that transformation, even at the market's early days, I felt that like early on, that was what motivated me. And the important thing about that is Business is not easy. Startup business is not easy. And if you don't have something that's fundamentally driving you, that's like triggering the heartstrings, it's going to be hard to get through the tough days. You need that to get through the tough days. You need to be really passionate about it. There needs to be something bigger than you and of the highest good to keep you going. And then, yes, get some experts involved that are going to help you with the strategy and with the numbers and all of that's important. But that mission and vision that is the foundation. It's funny, isn't it? It's a mixture of the head and the heart. And yeah. it's, it's, it's almost like the equivalent of wanting to be a singer, but only being focused on fame. You yes. know, if you make fame your measure of success, ultimately it's a well that will never be filled. Yeah. Similarly, if you make money your measure of success within business as yeah. the only way that you'll be satisfied, you will never be satisfied. So it, it actually needs to be grounded, it seems, with something that is connected to the spirit in order to have you know true potential because i even noticed i was doing okay. something recently i was doing something where i thought oh it was, it was actually it was all the um because traditionally you know we, we for, for gen Sac, we yeah. write blogs and we yeah, yeah. do edms and i was just 
really bending my brain over what the blog for this week was going to be to be able to tie in this conversation okay. with you know like with a, a product focus and a, you know and i yeah and I, all the things all the things and it's got to you know because it's got to tick the boxes mm-hmm. but then at the same time and so many times i was like gosh this is taking a long time but i'm like but if i nail it it will have it will be so good yeah. for, and so important in a emotional sense yes that you know that i and it was the idea of like no there are people who will receive this email in their at their desk at work who are frustrated who are disconnected who will see this and then that will be a cause a shift for them yeah and then and that was the thing of like no no we just need to keep on developing this and then we just you know for four hours we talked it out until we were like wow. okay now we know what it is and it's now it's going to give us great momentum to to deliver something that hopefully will be really inspiring yeah um so yeah and that i think is a great way to kind of you know insert you're ticking the box you're, you're delivering on the deliverable but if it's got heart, m- and, soul. heart and soul yeah that's the thing that gets you know gives you the energy and i also love the idea that if you are connected to that passion drive you it doesn't not only does it not take energy it gives energy it gives energy it reminds you of your purpose and it's ultimately the thing that connects people to you team customers the people that you know gravitate towards you that want to be on that wavelength and we are our people like Gensac wouldn't be where Gensac is if it wasn't for the people in the team. If it wasn't for you and all the people in our retail team and all the people that support us and all of our customers. And so I feel that they connect to that. And it feeds me back. I get I get so much back out of it. Like like you said, even just about that experience of opening the sack, the amount of times that I've been in store and I hear someone, not even to me, but say to like a team member, oh, I got the best gift and I still have my sack. And I like, I get so much joy out of that. It makes me so happy. What is it? Have you ever distilled the, the nucleus of that idea? Is it because... Like, you know, clearly um, <laughs> gifts of love is a love language that you speak if yes. for those who know the five love languages. Yes, it is. Um, so I imagine that there's something that satisfies a, a, an experience of love in terms of receiving gifts of love. Mm. But have you, do you know, is it, is it about the surprise? Is it about the being made to feel special because someone has taken the time to imagine what the gift receiver will will feel when they re- feel really seen? Mm. No, do you know what it is about that experience that excites you the most? that excites me the most i think that i've realized and i say this a lot that men are really practical creatures and they love receiving something that they're actually going to use so they think that like it's such a genius idea to get something that they actually need it's not a waste it's practical it's pragmatic but it's way nicer than what they would commit to buying for themselves and then they, so they get gifted the thing, but then they're actually gifted the experience. Because then when they go to use it, it's like, talk about level up, like their routine is leveled up 10x. So then they get to enjoy that experience. And then it's like, oh, I can do life better. And they feel the routine and it's kind of all goes from there. So we get this feedback, I'll never look back or I'm, my shave has never been so good or I'm actually looking after my skin now. and. Yeah, and so I think that's the thing. And I also think that it's quite exciting to see guys go through that transformation 
not just from the physical grooming point of view, but from the I'm worth investing in myself. And then when I do it, I feel better. And then my morning is better. My day is better. I'm look, I'm, and then they're in this loop of looking after themselves better. I get super excited about that. It's, I came to the realization this week or the little saying came to me that I love the idea that like today's win is tomorrow's benchmark. So, you know, it's a struggle today or it's a new discovery today or it's something that you're ultimately just achieving for the first time. But then tomorrow, that's just the standard. Yeah. And I love the idea that, that. and that's what leveling up is. Yeah. You know, it's the idea that, you know, you will achieve new things that are pushing you beyond your regular mode of operating. Yeah. And then that becomes the standard by which you operate from that point onwards. Yeah. And thus, you know, grooming is the one such a great way to reinforce that idea because, you know, you're making the transition from a <laughs> a supermarket deodorant yeah, <laughs> to, yeah, yeah. to like a really nice one that's not yeah. full of like aluminium. When yeah. We're so yeah. we're so interested in educating guys around, you know, avoiding toxic chemicals in yeah. their deodorant. Yeah. But then you all of a sudden you're like, why am I going back to seven dollar deodorant? That's yeah. you know, that's I'm I'm better than that. Yeah, and it's all it's all of it's everything that encompasses that. It's like because I also can only speak to my routine too. That like even just opening my cupboard and seeing those beautiful products is a reminder to how I'm investing in myself. And you have day like we all have this ultimate checklist of like what our perfect self would do. And it's not realistic to hit that checklist every day. But if you can have these like benchmark, as you said, non-negotiables, or at the very least, I'm going to do X, Y, Z, which for me, it's at the very least, it's a 10 minute meditation. It's hydrating every day and it's my skincare routine. Those things don't actually take a lot of time. And no matter how lazy I'm feeling, those things happen. If I also get the yoga and the walk and the gym session, I'm killing it, right? But at the very least, I'm doing those basic things and I just feel good knowing I've done it. So that psyche alone then feeds through into everything that I do. And that's what I try to reinforce with my team in leadership and then with our customers in, you know, empowering them to have this beautiful ritual for themselves. It's, it's interesting, isn't it? The idea of not negotiables because your non-negotiables need to be um, established and then you need to create space around that so that then you can facilitate those non-negotiables mm. because you know there would be a version of life where meditation is not a non-negotiable but in order to make sure that it is you then have to just you know go to bed that little bit earlier to make sure you're waking up that bit earlier to make sure you've got the time to do that yeah. you know I, I'm I love the idea of things that we will guiltlessly invest in whereas mm. for, for example like I don't buy fashion more than twice a year i'll do two big you know yeah i'll go bananas but only yeah. like for only on two separate occasions yeah. and usually just to cover bases if yes. things are being overlooked yeah. but i will never hold back from um, buying groceries yeah any single like if i lay my eyes on it and it's healthy and i want it yeah it, it's mine yeah love that. <laughs> and i feel like that's you know and people i think people are always interested around you know what my fitness routine is and what my you know that sort of thing and i'm like it's diet and i I have no excuses for the fact that I found the very best quality vegan protein powder that I can get my hands yeah. on and the most amazing, you know, produce that I can get my hands on. And I think that is for me the not negotiable. Yeah. What are your um, guiltless investments in yourself? Oh, yeah, definitely good quality food, like organic as much as possible. And um, 
when I'm cooking that is because I'm definitely not perfect and I do the odd Uber Eats but yeah good quality food um, has to be filtered water I'm like the filtered activated queen like it, the nuts have to be activated the water has to be filtered that kind of stuff um, this water is delicious by the way <laughs> I'm so happy Puro, you if you're listening <laughs> we will happily accept your sponsorship <laughs> yeah that's it um is it guiltless as in spending or is it yeah also... i think well you know things that you wouldn't think twice about going no this is a not negotiable for me time wise money wise so things that are an investment into myself like it and if it has a cost associated whether it's um you know like a personal trainer or a gym membership or a yoga if i know that i can fit it into my schedule i will make sure my budget is allocated towards that so i would rather spend money on good food yes it's basically good food the things i need in my routine for mental health and a beautiful home they're the things i'm not gonna worry too much about obviously within reason but i don't need to spend too much money on going out or alcohol or yeah and same with fashion i'll probably do one bananas spend a year it's actually really dangerous being next to Inco, I'm not going to lie, but one, once or twice a year I'm seen mm. in there, um, treating myself. Otherwise I can keep it kind of stick to the basics. Yeah. When you have been developing the, the process of the startup journey, running your own business, you know, the, you have a bricks and mortar store and also within that there's like a mini media company that's making mm. the, the content around the store and you know there's there are so many things demanding your attention and I know that if I miss windows of time to get feedback on something I'm gonna have to wait days until yeah. you're available because you're very um, in demand yeah what are some of your fail-safe self-care in case of emergency break glass processes that if you're really hitting the wall mm. that you know that you can rely upon as in hitting the wall as in feeling like burnt out or burnt out is yeah. a great way of describing it okay so if that happens it means that i just haven't had enough shira time and that's just a big red flag that actually everything has to stop because if i keep going i'm not giving my best self to everyone um so I'm trying to refine my process that I actually never get to that point. But when I find myself, the red flags for me are like, you know, I'm not as bubbly or as positive or as energetic because I know that they're natural parts of my personality. If that's not happening for me, then I need some me time. It actually doesn't matter what needs to be done. There will always be stuff that needs to be done. It means I need to... Um, have a day to myself and like get offline actually and then when I get back online I'm doubly as productive so yeah the the quick easy things that I can do when I'm just feeling like that on a daily on like a daily basis if I'm feeling a little burnt out throughout the day um, is either a meditation or fresh air um, or listening to music music just totally changes the energy for me and sometimes that's enough so yeah and then also i think a fundamental thing is prioritizing sleep you know like at the very least if you're feeling burnt out and and it's not an option tomorrow to take the day off get an early night meditate get an early night eat some healthy food sometimes 
when you're tired, like you crave the comfort stuff. We all do. But like if you can just make that better choice, it kind of sets you on the right path again. I don't always get it right, but I know I know what the checklist is. It's really funny when you're <laughs> when I'm overtired and I'm hungry mm. and I'm it's funny, do you know like when you see um I remember being a kid and throwing a tantrum and someone and my one of my parents going, I think someone's overtired and you're like, I'm not overtired. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um <laughs> when you're in that state, you don't realise that you're probably sidestepping the most obvious things yeah. for yourself. Yeah. So the idea of like just going I sometimes I'm at my desk with a, a huge list of things to do, completely useless, up to my third coffee for the day. And I'm so exhausted mentally and I'm not very effective, mm. but I'm still trying to stay there just for the purpose of getting the thing done. If only I would just call it quits for the day, do something very meditative, even if I sometimes I'm beyond the awareness that I need to meditate and I, I, I'm almost too far gone to actually <laughs> meditate, but you yeah. can do something meditative like yeah. go to a yoga class or yeah. I actually love going to a sauna or something that's really hot. Yes. And then at least it almost stopped me from thinking because I just stay in there so long that I can't think anymore yeah. and I put myself physically in an, in an environment where I'll just not have access to technology yeah and it's a good idea and then know that I'll just cancel everything for the rest of the day and even if I have to get up at 5am the next morning to catch up on the four hours of things I didn't do today it's such a false economy to force yourself to stay in the spot just absolutely hit, just constantly checking your phone to see if there's some new thing distraction yeah. that's going to get you that's what I'm talking inspired. about yeah. That's what I'm talking about. It's like, ideally, you don't get to that point. But realistically, there's going to be times when you do. And just to notice it and really care for yourself and go, actually, I, I just need to stop now and um, reset. And then everyone will get the better version of you the next day. And I, I speak for myself, because like you said, when you say I'm in demand, it's because I've got, what, seven people that are reporting into me, whether it's retail team, developer, content marketing. Um, and I want to give you guys my best energy and I want to show up and lead by example. So um, I really need to care for myself. Caring for me is caring for you. And that's how I see it. And if I lose sight of that, then it literally impacts everything and everyone. So my self-care has to be number one so that my energy is great. Like, and even refining my own process, like I knew you were coming today and I know that these sorts of conversations take a certain type of energy. And in the past, I haven't always been prepared for that. So I've learned from that. And today I was like, okay, I have a process before we go into a conversation like this. And pretty much an hour before I was doing my skincare routine, I had the tunes pumping, I was getting in that zone and I know that that's my process for something like this. So yeah, you learn as you go. I um, similarly <laughs> was like, I'm going to need to bring a certain level of energy to meet you at that space. Yeah. And on the way over, I was listening to a podcast and it was like a businessy marketing podcast. And I was like, no, no, this is not going to put me. And I was just like, I'm going to need like some Katy Perry, like <laughs> raw on the way over here, just so I can sing it in the car. I and had like, the yeah. music pumping before and, you and get then, And then just changed my my added my energy and just yeah. geared me into the, a space of joy yeah i think actually it's interesting the idea of noticing the red flags when you are about to when you've hit the wall mm. and you are you find yourself you know at that place of being despondent it's good for you to do a stock take about how the previous few days have looked that's led you to that place so that you can work out what those flags are so you can catch it a day or two prior because chances are it's not in isolation like we all have 
hard days, but usually the one that really takes its toll is the one that's come off the back of a few days of yeah. some late nights, some <clears throat> difficult conversations, some anything that's kind of challenged your vibration for a few days in a row will leave you very vulnerable to being overwhelmed. Yeah. And I know that if ever I've gone, okay, well, why was today so hard? Well, I did go to bed at midnight the last two nights. I did eat a lot of junk food. I was, I didn't get to exercise. Yeah. I didn't get to have any me time. I was, you know, and you can yeah. kind of go, oh, wait a minute. I really should have seen this coming a mile away. Yeah. So then when you're midway through that process, you're like, uh-uh, I need to make sure I'm sidestepping what's going to be a wasted day tomorrow yeah. by giving myself what I need today before it becomes a, a, a total you know waste of a day yeah yeah and look we're we're human so the I think that the thing I want to say to this is learning to be in relationship with yourself is the answer to a lot of it so learning to really care for yourself and know how to um, notice what's causing you or what's taking up space uh, that needs to be addressed and because sometimes it's stuff that we don't even realize is in our subconscious and it's taking up mental space but we're not we're not letting it come to the surface kind of thing so whether it's um relationship or like business goals or like personal goals sometimes we can be sitting in feelings that we're just not addressing and we just need to let them come up be our own best friend like what would you say to your friend when they're having a tough time with something but say that to ourselves like you're okay babes like you just need an afternoon off like this is the self-talk that i've developed or honey you don't have to grow an empire in a week like we're good you know all that kind of stuff like that self-talk and learning to develop that self-love and that kindness and to be okay with not being okay and go, okay, well, what's the thing that's causing me stress right now? Because this is what's taking my energy. Mm-hmm. And then you can address those things or talk to your friends or get advice or go to therapy or do whatever you need to do and move through it. It's, it's, <laughs> it's a really good idea. I am observing in myself that something as seemingly positive as going to the gym has been the thing that I've done to deal with difficult emotions mm. since I was a teenager. And yes, it's good because you're going to the gym, but it's not necessarily good if that... It's almost like I think when people get cancer from smoking, it's because whenever they've had an emotional experience that's been too much to deal with for 20 years, instead of expressing it, they've inhaled it. Yeah. <laughs> and they've kept yeah. that energy stuck in yeah. their body through this carcinogenic fume. And I know that... I have not sometimes dealt with difficult emotions by sitting in them or letting them come to the surface or writing about them or meditating because that's only processes that have come later in life. But literally for the last 20 years, if I've had a hard day, I just go to the gym and then I'm locking all of that energy in me as opposed to doing the the thing to let it out. Letting it come up. And I wonder whether I, well now my, my MO for the past for a lot of this year has been if I'm at the crossroads of whether to do the yang or the yin, I have to go for the yin thing. Mm. So if I'm at the crossroads of like, do I go to the gym or do I do a, a calming yoga class or do I go for a run or do I go for a walk? Do I listen to like something really intense or do I listen to something meditative? And you, you 
probably have to sometimes only the intense thing will do yeah. but sometimes actually i think i need the intense thing but what i really need is the soothing the soothing thing the soothing thing and and almost trying the soothing thing first to see if that's the thing that i really need yeah and then you know more often than not it, it is yeah and i'm hoping that you know i can sort of stop myself calcifying my body with this really like intense like yang energy by just kind of listening to the other thing yeah to see if that is it i can totally relate it's the high achiever in us um and it's also i don't know like it would come from something in your childhood where like for me it's about survival and it's about um being the only person that can look out for myself and yeah so and being a perfectionist and a pleaser and wanting to get the thing right all the time and you know i've really unpacked a lot of that and i've also realized that more often than not i actually need to soothe rather than do you know we are human beings our job is to be not to do and learning to be in the being it's kind of that yogi meditative mindset it's the present moment and bringing yourself to that present moment and and knowing that the present moment is the gift not the moment that's coming that's quite a soothing thought when you really get your head around it and we not always remembering that but making that the internal compass actually helps me soothe i love that your soothing version or your way of dealing was going to the gym cuz mine is not as healthy like i'm a comfort eater and i think it's really common for a lot of people and yeah like i think we i think women should talk about this i think men should talk about this we all have like the thing that's our crutch you mentioned smoking some people drink some people do drugs maybe both i definitely will like turn to something comfort to eat and that's not that's not healthy either but at least i have the awareness and i also think even us just having this conversation this is what i'm talking about because a lot of these things we don't people don't talk about it and there's like shame attached to it but we're all humans we're learning every day to be better versions of ourselves and how else will we get there if we don't talk about it well there are so many things that are positive that are good that are traditionally good like food or sex or buying things or going to the gym that if you're running to away from yourself versus running to yourself you've got to put some awareness around that. Yeah. If I'm going to the gym, which is a traditionally a positive idea, so I don't deal with feelings that are too hard to deal with, yeah. then that's not no. a good thing. Yeah. If I I think mine is anchored to the fact that in my family productivity is valued above all else. Mm. If you're not being productive, like there's nothing worse than being lazy. Yeah. And I mean, I love that it's given me an a uh, gearing towards energy mm-hmm. and towards achieving and towards um you know making things because yeah. i love making things it makes me really happy on a soulful level but i also recognize that the incessant need to be productive is shortchanging me from some of the experiencing of things and the, the being. being because the yeah. doing is is only the doing has to be um an extension of the being yeah. it can't just be um empty doing yeah. for the sake of satisfying a box that you've been productive. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I like I don't think there's anything wrong with being a foodie and loving food mm. and I love healthy food, but noticing if you're like eating cuz you're anxious or just cuz you're stressed or cuz you're bored or whatever, like 
it's quite a common habit and it's just being aware of it enough to go actually what mm. do i need right now it's not that yeah what do i actually need right now that's going to soothe whether it's a meditation or just some rest or a conversation with someone or whatever it may be but is it is it uh, is it are you doing it as a form of celebration or are you doing it as a form of consolation well that's the thing yeah mm. both in my case but yeah absolutely <laughs> And it's not just food. Like it, like you said, it can sometimes be um, overtraining. Like I'm a bit of a all or nothing person. So whatever it may be at the time, it's going to be that thing <laughs> that I'm doing. Um, but I think coming back into balance with yourself can allow you to actually give yourself what you really need rather than using something that could be really positive and turning it into a mechanism that then is no longer positive mm, a crutch a crutch well i of all of the ways in which Zach is is geared towards having bigger conversations around you know the the inner the inner life as well as the external self life mm. um, it seems to have reached something of a really great zenith recently with manifest mm. and so let's talk about that because i was actually i, I manifest what is manifest mm-hmm. and let's talk about the origins of that because it's a really beautiful extension of what you do with Zach. yes thank you for bringing it up so okay to introduce manifest i have to introduce the not-for-profit that i'm now on the board of it's called the mentor australia and the long-term objective of this not-for-profit is to reduce suicide rates across Australian men. But to do that, that's a big ask. Um, we need to do different activations and smaller things that will lead to that greater impact. So we have the founder of The Mentor, actually it started in LA, the founder of The Mentor has recently moved to Australia. His name is Javan. We've interviewed him on our on our channel, and he's collected an incredible group of leaders in the men's health space to create the power team behind Manifest. Manifest is ultimately an event. It's the ultimate men's health symposium. We secured the Sydney Town Hall for our location, which is really exciting. We're going to have thought leaders and keynote speakers and panelists and really exciting people collaborating to open up conversations around men's mental health and to create that safe space essentially our hashtag is we are the space we are the space to talk about the things that are left unsaid in your relationship to get back in line with the integrity of who you are to open up conversations around intimacy to connect back with yourself and your values all that kind of stuff so it's really intrinsically linked with what Gensac is about um Jovan and I were having a conversation we, we talk about how Gensac does a lot of the physical grooming and this is about the mental grooming and I really love that I really love how that bridges the gap Physical grooming, there's an aspect of mental and emotional and spiritual anyway. But yeah, this is about the mental grooming of men and creating a safe space for them to have conversations that they might not be having with themselves and others. Because we feel that men are suffering in silence. 
we feel that men don't feel it's okay to talk about their real feelings, similarly to what we were just talking about. Um, we want to create that safe space. We want, I mean, because it starts there. Like you could have a thought, and if that thought perpetuates into, you know, an overarching feeling or or, or idea in your life, like before too long, it could end up being that you are on that cusp. You know, when you feel helpless and you feel like not worthy and all those kinds of things. So we want to we want to prevent that. We want everyone to feel that they're not alone and we're all kind of going through the same stuff just in different ways. And all we need to do is show up as ourselves, vulnerability, flaws and all. And we can have conversations that allow us all to grow and rise together. Yeah. So Manifest is the first time that all these people have come together to create a, an a event. Yeah. What, uh, when is it? Because this, this, this conversation will go live you know, in the first week of, of the, in the late October. So it's, it's, okay. yeah. yeah, so Manifest is 16th and 17th of November. And actually, Jensak are going to give away a couple of free tickets. So we'll make sure you have the details about that. Yeah, I'll post it alongside this yeah so it's like a weekend of experiences and keynote speakers and panelists and opportunities to connect with myself and these other 10 incredible leaders and some of them are men's coaches and you know they have their own everyone's got their own business that's like very much aligned in this space and i think collaboration is the key in terms of how we've come together and how we move forward in you know working towards this vision and mission um, in the space of supporting men. And I get asked a lot, you know, there's this phrase that, that I think you might have come up with it, women who champion men. Someone said it. Who said it? Was it you? Probably, yeah. <laughs> so Sounds I, like something I'd say. I think it does. And I get asked a lot, like, why are you a woman who champions men? And... Um, I mean, obviously, I'm coming from my own personal experience of relationship with father, brother, a relationship that I had for 10 years. I love men. I care a lot about men. I've had my own experiences, and I know where it would have supported our relationship or me had they been able to communicate with me better, differently, how they needed to ask for support, whatever it might have been. But I think that championing men champions relationships families children like i want us to raise healthy happy men and i'm kind of like supporting the ladies here when i do that because you know healthy happy men supports us and yeah i mean i get asked that question so much that now i've thought a lot about how do i also directly support women stay tuned because um, I think that will come to, and I think it's men and women, it's both, and there's a need for both, and there's a need for all of us to be in both conversations. Like, we're humans, and we have different needs, but we need to support each other, ultimately. I, I mean, I'm interested in the idea that, you know, there's so much shifting taking place in our generation for men and for women, but in really different ways. Mm. And I actually like that there's a cross-pollination of energies or ideologies that women will embrace from ideas that were traditionally male mm. and that men will embrace from ideas that were traditionally female and that the future of our species is actually 
for some of those ideas to unite. I feel like it's no coincidence that there is so much discussion around gender and trans identity and men getting in touch with their feminine side and women stepping into their masculine power. And, you know, but even it extends to yin and yang mm. binding in the way that I'm currently for myself, I'm really intrigued with how these two ideas of creativity and commerce or business can be so powerful when they're interwoven really beautifully. Yeah. And I thought they, they couldn't coexist my whole life. But actually the idea that your business is only good when it's creative and creativity has to have an awareness of business. The, the, those two That's ideas are, are so are so beautiful to, to be amalgamated. Yeah. And I uh, think that the reason why, you know, now there's such an exciting time for men because finally there's an opportunity for them to move into spaces that they have previously deemed women's areas of conversation mm. like talking about your feelings was a was a woman's activity yeah it was never something that men would traditionally do but how the hell are you meant to exist if you don't it sounds understand crazy that? though right yeah. like now that when you say it out loud that only women are meant to talk about their feelings like doesn't that just sound crazy to you ludicrous like totally ludicrous oh. and even sorry to say that only women get to moisturize and look after their skin <laughs> like i'm sorry but to me that's crazy well that's why it kind of to me is a nice physical manifestation of uh, of an internal experience because if you're saying to men hey you, you not only is it okay for you to do something as seemingly um you know quotidian as moisturizing do you know what man it's okay you can do it yeah. and it doesn't compromise your you know person <laughs> your, your masculinity masculinity or your manhood yeah. which is which is a topic of conversation right because that's really at the heart of it what we're getting to it's that there's these unspoken definitions that are really unhealthy for men and they've inherited them from a dying generation who has given themselves cancer and destroyed themselves and completely unconscious so 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 <laughs> like for anyone who wants to like rigidly hold on to ideologies that they've inherited it's like that generation is dying and for good reason mm. they have killed themselves <laughs> oh. by designing lifestyles that are completely unsustainable yeah they've destroyed the planet they've in we've they've given us opportunity like you know given us um an inheritance of you know all these things that we have to um pick the knots yeah uh, to untangle these sort of webs but it's not impossible it just we just need to focus on yeah. little small changes to make bigger changes yes and again i go back to the word conscious conscious changes because a lot of the habits that were inherited were unconscious unconscious habits and like our parents didn't necessarily go to therapy or didn't talk about the things that they were I, I remember when my, my grandparents neighbor's son was doing yoga and it was a scandal yeah it was like have you heard the neighbor's son is doing yoga like it was just so absurd that yeah. that would happen and now i just love to think how this was in the 80s yeah i love to think how great is it that all these people who can do yoga at the local fitness first are having uh maybe they're coming to it for fitness maybe they're coming to it to for anxiety, maybe they're yeah. coming to it for to look at themselves in the mirror while they <laughs> do the thing. Um, but that is a great thing for them to energetically transform themselves with, so that when they have kids, those kids automatically have that in their G in their DNA. Mm, yes, absolutely. Yeah, and I just and that and that and 
just being able to talk about what's going on with you. It's just, I mean, I don't know about you, but that wasn't the norm in my family growing up, you know, or um, like, I feel like when people don't address the stuff that's going on, that's when anxiety kicks in. So some people's default is anger or because they go into like fight or flight. And really what's happening is they're not able to connect with what they're feeling or the story that they're telling themselves at the time. And to be able to communicate that, unpacking all of that is so key to actually expressing yourself and therefore connecting with another human being. And now we're talking about an experience of life on a whole nother level that was not modeled to us, you know? And, and so I really, I'm really fascinated with this whole conversation and this is what drives a lot of what I do. Like, let's go there. Let's talk about the things that are unsaid. Let's unpack it together. Let's support each other. I, like with my girlfriends, you know, we'll, I'll start conversations and like admit random text messages to guys or whatever, like things that we would normally be super embarrassed about. And then by the end of it, we're laughing. We feel good about it. We're good. We know that we're both just as crazy as each other and it's okay. And we're supporting each other rather than holding on to it, feeling shameful, you know, like we just get it all out there. Maybe we can, it. all right, maybe we can <laughs> lay, throw down the gauntlet for anyone listening to this. To, if you're at the, if you're at the crossroads of share or not share, yeah. err on the side of share. And yes. even if you experience, you know, oversharing, it's fun, like just to play in that space of like, you know, maybe you'll be surprised that what you think is too much is just enough. Well, I've got a good framework for this actually. And it's come from the Brene Brown book, Daring Greatly. So yes, definitely err on the side of sharing, but if you're not sure about whether you're at the oversharing stage or not, have a think about if the thing still triggers you or makes you feel anxious. If it does, you need a little bit more time to unpack it on your own or to talk to a, a therapist or like your closest friend and get some advice on the thing. And then once you've unpacked it, there's always going to be a lesson. Like we don't have to be perfect. We're going to learn from the things that cause us stress or break our hearts. But once we've unpacked it and it's no longer triggering us, then when we share it, we actually get to make other people feel like they're not the only one. So that's kind of my framework. I feel like it's oversharing when you're sharing it in order to try and connect to someone but you haven't yet figured it out for yourself that's true and if you're a, a, a textbook extrovert like i am and yeah. i think you are as well yeah i work it out by talking it out yeah and sometimes i just need to have safe space conversations with friends or therapists or family members or my journal in order to externally articulate the thing to know what i internally mean about yeah. it yeah and then i work it out that way so you're yeah. So are you suggesting that that knowing where it's when it's the right con uh, space in which to externally yeah. work it out? Yeah, because also you don't want to dump your anxiety onto someone else and you don't want to fake intimacy. Like some people, you're just you don't have that relationship yet to share some of that stuff. Um, and it's really important to be conscious of that, and to be aware of that. And so what happens is if you can go, this is the thing that's causing me anxiety I'm either going to go to an expert like a therapist or I'm going to, you know, write it out in a journal and talk to my best friend. And then when I've started to figure out what the lesson is, 
then I'm like, oh, that's what I've learned about the thing. And now it's okay. And I don't need to feel shame about that. Like I've learned, I've learned from that experience. And then when you're connecting with people, then you can share your crazy stories. And often you'll find that that person will be so grateful that you went there because they were probably going through something really similar and you've just made them feel like they're not alone. And that's where I feel vulnerability is powerful, but that you've kind of gone through your own process with it first. Yeah, you're right. Because it is a learning curve if you're going from not really expressing to then all of a sudden sharing more to know when is the right time? Who is the right person? What is the right space in yes. which that is the case? Yeah. So, yeah, because I yeah. know that I'm, there's definitely a point at which I'm, I'm not 100% f- through the journey of working out how I feel about something, but I'm far along enough that I can compartmentalize the ideas. And I think a, a really worthwhile thing is give people just enough information to work out whether they're interested in what it is you're talking about. Yeah. And if they ask questions, then you can give more information. Yeah. Sometimes I overshare by giving all the information. You've just asked, you know, I've done you've that asked to a you very too. top line question <laughs> and I'm giving you the full spiel. So I think it's nice just to tease it out and be like, oh, well, I'm feeling some kind of way about this thing. And if yeah, they're like yeah. moving on with the conversation, they're yeah. like, oh, you don't need to know any more about yeah. that. But they might be like, tell, tell me more. Me more. In which case, like, okay, cool. Well, now yeah. I'll give you a bit more. Do you want to know more about it? Or, mm. you know, mm. and I think if, if it's on their terms, it's, yeah. it's safe. Totally. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. And I also think like, know your own intention with your sharing. What are you, what are you doing it for? Like, is it... Because sometimes we don't realize that we're doing it to unpack. I've done that with you. Mm. And that was such a beautiful realization for me at times, you know. But I I think communication is like such an art form. And it's an opportunity to connect when done well. And we need to be able to communicate with ourselves first. So we've got to ask ourselves some really hard questions sometimes. And figure out where we're at with certain things and then give ourselves permission to not have it all figured out and then seek out the tools that will help us figure it out Mm. and then be okay with admitting I don't know everything I screwed this up I need help with this I struggle with that bit with the asking for help Um, but you know even just telling you that that's an improvement for 2019 Shira Mm. like and that's the new benchmark Mm. so yeah well, I um, I, I love to wrap up by asking people if I were to check in with you in a year's time, mm. what is a goal or project that you would love to have completed this time next year? Mm. Well, off the back of our conversation before the podcast, I would love for us to have relaunched our website and for it to absolutely be giving that same beautiful experience that we give in store so that's something i'm super excited about i would love to actively be writing or singing more for myself um not with any particular goal attached to it but just for myself because i love it so much and um i've got a couple of projects yeah within the business that kind of tie into our growth and scaling and my own personal endeavors and how they all kind of tie in. I'd love to see that they're at least being ideated and in the process of commencing. I would love you because the, um, the, it's important, I think, the idea of singing and writing music 
because I know that you love it and I know that you're gifted in that capacity. So what's a tangible, how do you know that you're doing that in a year's time? So mm-hmm. in November 2020, um, does that look like a day a week that's just a music day? Does that look like... Um, that's such a good question. And thank you for making me accountable. Um, just only and the reason why I'll give you a moment to think about that because mm. I just know that everyone's got this this passion, this thing that they love that speaks to their most tender, you know, spiritual, yeah. gifted self. And we all know that if we had an extra day in our week, what we'd love to give that thing to, if even if it's just time in the garden, you know. Yeah. And I think the idea of making it tangible and real allows you to have accountability around it and it also allows you to know what to recognize that once you've done it because once you do do it that will become the new benchmark so you won't ever remember you'll barely remember that there was a time when you weren't doing it yeah but then it's also just as easy to not do it unless you articulate it specifically absolutely yeah i mean if we were to put it in like a uh the amount of time that i would love to see me giving to it i think realistically knowing my capacity and goals in the business as well. I'd love to see that half a day a week. I think that that's a really beautiful amount of time. And what that looks like is collaboration. It's getting in the studio. It's writing with other producers. It's potentially performing as well. You know, it's it's but it's giving it that time and that love. And um, it's something that so feeds my soul. And when I do it, I feel the most myself. And it just brings me so much joy. And I love collaborating with other writers and that's when a lot of the magic happens. So I'd love to see that that's a weekly thing that's factored into my week and that that results in whether it's, you know, uh, a publishing deal where I'm writing songs for others and I get to do the odd gig, like whatever it could be, I feel like it's, it's gonna happen. I know it will happen. Is, or, it which, makes me happy. Yeah, well, that makes me think, is there something that you could do now that would be a taste of what that experience is like? You know, maybe it's an hour a week. That- yeah, so I have committed to like a few hours a month. So I'm doing it as a block and like once a month. So I started that a That's few great. weeks ago. Oh, yeah. great. So I went and had um, a singing lesson with my vocal coach and a two-hour writing session. And then with that, we've created some music. And, you know, I've a couple of times gone back to that. And I'm, like, working with it and writing a song at the moment. And so it's, yeah. That's great. So well, the good thing about that is once you've, ex- once you've locked it in with other people, you're committed. And yeah. you, you almost don't even question whether you have time at that time. Like, you know the week comes up that you're meant to do the thing and you're like, well, I can't let the guys down. I've got to turn up. Totally. And then it's locked in. Yeah. So I think a balance of like planning, so it's in the calendar because then you honor that. But actually the beautiful thing is then I have that to look forward to Mm. as well because it's not my day job. And that's the joy of now being able to go back to music. I feel like some musicians that work a lot, they... um, like they are working and honing that craft and that's the beautiful thing about doing it all the time but maybe at certain stages they they lose a little bit of the i get to look forward to it thing because it's their day job where for me when i know a music session is coming up like i'm so excited because i don't get to do it all the time so that love and passion for it is still so childlike 
It's this, I think the essence of the podcast that I've come to appreciate in doing it for a couple of years is quit your day job is not necessarily about literally quitting the, your source of income. Mm. It's actually about changing your idea to what you think a day job is and feels like. Mm. And if you're making music gives you energy and gives you something to look forward to and makes you excited and and changes the way that you live your life in and around the time that you're just doing the thing, then that is a great way to to use that activity the way you would use yoga or going to the gym or, uh, you know, going for a run. You don't necessarily have to quit life in order to dedicate your life to being an athlete in order to benefit from going for a run every every couple of days. And so you can actually use your passion as a, as a form of exercise for your spirit and for yes. your mind and the connection of those two things yeah. and you know that i think is the essence of the quit your day job mo mo i love it yeah. i love it i think what i would say to that as a final note is you know life feels best when you are inspired so what are the things that constantly inspire you and also we didn't grow up again like our parents didn't necessarily show us that life doesn't have to just be hard or working a job that you don't like we get to choose and especially this day and age we really get to choose more than we realize we can create and cultivate the life that we want and it won't always be easy and yeah there are challenges but for me the the thing i've learned of late that's so important is how do i stay inspired You know, I deserve to feel that inspiration and then that can trickle into everything that I do and everyone that I speak to.